It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Not just because it's better than the best hospital in town, but just because you happen to be, or maybe one night in your life, doing something besides something for yourself. You're doing something for the Lord just by being here. You're weirdos. Tuesday night, you're not watching TV or at the bar getting drunk, staying at home fighting with each other or getting prepared for another day. You're in the church house, and I don't think it gets any better than that. Would you like to stand Isaiah chapter number 6? One of the most unusual stories in the Bible basically tells the same story as what we see today. You're in the last days of Laodicea without question. And as a result of that, more times than not, when people come to church, they see everything but Jesus. In the New Testament, the boys came and met the apostles and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. It'd be good if the church nowadays came to church and said, we sure would like to see Jesus. Not just at the second coming or at the rapture, but we sure would like to see Him show up and help us in the church service. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Did you hear about her? I don't know, but I heard about him. Do you know where they are together? No, but I do know about them. That's not what they said. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Look at the subject of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Brother Jonathan, you pray and ask the Lord to bless the service. Would you please? Thank you. You can be seated. I think it is important for us to understand that just because Isaiah finally saw the Lord sitting there didn't mean that he wasn't always sitting there. It said, When Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Meaning that there was something that had obscured individuals from being able to see the Lord high and lifted up. It wasn't that the Lord had lost His place or that the Lord had stepped down a little bit or that the Lord had been removed from the throne. It means that in the passage we'll recognize here in just a few moments that it's interesting that He uses the year that the king died 
Because the emphasis of the nation of Israel had turned to how great the king was. King Uzziah was a great king. If you read about him in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you'll find out he's one of the greatest kings the nation of Israel ever had. He was very, very popular with the people. He was also very prosperous. The Lord blessed him. He was able to not only protect his people, but to give them safety from all the enemies around about. God really blessed what he was doing. As a matter of fact, it's interesting, when you read the passage in 2 Chronicles, he says to it, he was marvelously helped. In other words, he recognized that God was always there making a way for him and helping him all along the way to get things done. Then Uzziah, when he finally got to the top, the Bible says before he steps into the temple that he was marvelously helped a second time until he was lifted up in his heart and he tried to take something that God had not given him. He made a choice to say, I now want something that God hasn't seen fit for me to have. And therefore, he stepped into the priest's office. You know what happens. He comes in there and he picks up the prayer censer and he begins to walk through there. And the preacher comes in there with the other four score. There's 80 of them that are there, 81 in total. And he comes to them and they say, listen now, king, the Lord's really blessed you. And when you were doing the work of the king, God's hand was on you. And that's what you're supposed to do. But he gave us this job as priests and it's not right for you to do that. And the Bible said that he got angry, he got mad, and he threw the prayer censer and the moment that he did, the Lord hit him right there in the forehead where the mitre would have sat that said holiness unto the Lord. And what had happened there was is Uzziah had taken what his will, his way, his desires were and had superimposed them over what God wanted. And when it came time for the worship service, Uzziah made it about him instead of about the Lord. And you know what happened? The Bible says they thrust him out of the temple and he wound up being buried outside the city, never to return again. Because the focal point of Uzziah was himself and therefore when the people were coming into the temple, all they could see, all they could talk about was Uzziah. One of the most unusual things is, is to go to church and to say, boy, the Lord sure was there today. Have you ever listened to yourself when you leave church sometimes? You ever listen to yourself right after the Lord's moved in a church service? I mean, you're thinking, man, it was so good today. Boy, it just really encouraged and strengthened me and I got some things right or I just enjoyed the worship service today. And then you get in the car and something all of a sudden changes from being able to see the Lord high and lifted up. We did have a good service, but so-and-so wasn't there. But so-and-so was there. So-and-so saw so-and-so with such-and-such and did this and this and thus and thus. And the next thing, before long, literally, the entire goodness of the service, how wonderful it was, it literally just drops down to, well, you know, nobody cleaned the toilet paper out of the toilet. I, I went in the bathroom back there. Now, I don't usually go to the bathroom at the church. That's how they say it in the South. I don't usually go to the bathroom at the church, you know, but I just, one of them times I had to go, you know. And wouldn't you know it, there wasn't no toilet paper in there. Don't we pay people to do that? I don't know why you checked before you went. I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, but do you ever think about how quickly things become carnal? I want to try to show you something tonight to, to see if you'll look at yourself 
and to say, we really don't want to see Jesus. And I'm going to show you in the passage why we don't. Because when Jesus shows up, everybody else is in a whole different perspective. And nobody can share the spotlight with the Lord. Preacher said to me one time, he said, listen, he said, I, all I want to be able to do is really be able to do something for the Lord. And he went off and he had all these goals. He had these objectives. He had a business plan. He had a two-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan and all that. And he's sitting there and I mean, he's spouting it off and he's spinning his little three, you know, his little uh, legal pad. He turned it around the table. He said, what do you think of that preacher? And then he turned it, flipped it back a couple pages and he turned it right there and all that kind of stuff. And I said, are you starting a business or a ministry? And he said, well, it's kind of one and the same, isn't it? And I said, no, they're no, nothing at all alike. I said, could you tell me where in there you're going to work God in? I said, you're planning on all these things, but if you ask God, suppose He doesn't provide for you the people to do all the things that you're planning on doing. I mean, you got a building program on here, and you got all kind of other programs that you got, and you're going to have this for this and this for that, and so on and so forth and all that. I said, it's interesting. If you take a look at that, you have no room for the Lord to get in there. I said, the second thing I want to ask you is, how did you get to where you are in the first place? You see, Uzziah forgot how it was that he ever got to be king in the first place. Remember when David goes out to battle. It's an important message to remember. He goes out in 1 Samuel chapter 30. He comes back, finds out Ziklag has been burned to the ground. He didn't leave a rear guard. He did some bad things and made some horrible mistakes. And they came in and they took his wives and his kid and everybody else and so on and so forth and his kids. And then the David said, Lord, shall I pursue and shall I overtake? And he goes out there and does that. And the warriors that are with him fight and they overtake everything and they're bringing the spoil back. And you know what the warriors say? They say, hey, listen, this is all ours now. And David said, wait a minute, boys. You wouldn't even be here fighting if it wasn't for them old men that are over there by the brook Besor who don't have it in them anymore because they've gotten old. They can't do what you do. You wouldn't have even been born if those guys hadn't have been fighting for you before you were ever born. And more than that, there were people that were supporting me when I was in the cave of Adullam before you were even wet behind the ears that were sending financial support. You wouldn't have anything to even be fighting for if it hadn't been for those people. They never fired a shot. All they did was send the finances. Here's what we're going to do. You'll get a portion, they'll get a portion, and those that stayed by the stuff get a portion. You can't ever forget how you got to where you are. But oftentimes our church service begin to be other than what the girls just sang about. It begins to be about things other than the Lord. And therefore, we really don't like to see Him high and lifted up. And we don't really like to talk about Him like the seraphim did. We'll talk about in a minute. And like the cherubim did. You say, why? Because it abases us. When the Lord is high and lifted up, you know one of the reasons we don't like to see that? It helps us to see who, us by, for who we really are. And there's nobody who's going to walk around except the devil himself with his head up in the presence of the Lord. And that's why we don't like to see the Lord look up. Because when the Lord shows up, you know what we do? It's like, Lord, did you see them? And the Lord said, no, but I saw you. Yeah, I know that, Lord, but I mean, I'm not as bad as... Now, I want to try to help you tonight. I don't intend to try to rebuke. It's not my place to do that or to straighten the pictures on the wall or whatever else it might be. But if you really want to see the Lord, it requires you to make some decisions. But trust me when I tell you this, when the Lord shows up, He's not here to fix everybody else. He's here to fix you. 
unless you're here tonight and you're like, oh, I'm all good, man. I mean, I'm like, I'm like so close. I mean, I'm like a fourth part of the Trinity. I'm just about to be migrated in right there with Joseph Smith. I'm going to be right up there at the top of the whole group there. But, but if that's not you, I'm going to show you some things. But I'm going to tell you that in your heart of hearts, we kind of think we want the Lord to show up, but sometimes we're not as glad when He does because of what it reveals in us. I can't imagine what it's going to be like the first time that I cross the threshold of glory. And while I'm looking for the grand reunion and looking forward to seeing all the friends and family that have gone on to the other side, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to see Him. And while I'd love to paint a picture of it's all just going to be warm hugs and we're all going to be having a great time up there and that kind of thing, I think the first time I look at him and his eyes pierce through me straight into my heart, I think I'm going to be like John who said, you know what, I fell at his feet as if dead. I think I'll be like the Apostle Paul. He said, I saw myself and I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. Or like Job who says to him, I'm unworthy. People continually meeting the Lord and you know what they say? I'm no good. You know what we don't have today? Here's what we say today as Bible believers. I'm not as bad as others. We'll not say I'm no good. Look at the first part of the passage. The Bible says this, first of all, in verse number 1, unless if you want to see the Lord, you have to recognize it's about Him. It always has been about Him, and it never has been about you and me. We get the benefit of it being about us at times. But ladies and gentlemen, he goes right into the seraphim there, and the first thing he tells you about the seraphim is, is that they have six wings. And those six wings, two are to cover their face, two are to cover their feet, and two they're to cry about. And their voice, their mouth is used to talk about the Lord. The cherubim that are found over in Ezekiel chapter number 1, and again over in Ezekiel chapter number 9, those cherubim are facing on either side of, of what is the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant there, and they're turned in this way. And so they're always gazing in this direction. Seated there in the middle would be the Lord. So their focal point would have been the Lord Jesus Christ. Those cherubim over there in the book of Ezekiel that have been enfolded and born out of that fire, you know what they're doing? They're there to do nothing but to serve the Lord. Now that would be an unusual creature if you think about it. The cherubim has the face of a lion and the face of an eagle and the face of an, o- face of a, of an eagle and the face of an ox and the face of a man. And you know what's an interesting thing if you think about it? That in and of itself would be worth looking at. But you know all they're doing is looking at Him. And you know all they want to do is, is they want to do something for Him and then they go and the Bible said and they came straight back. Why is that important? Well, here's one of the things that we miss when it comes to a church service because if you're going to see the Lord show up, you know what you've got to do? You've got to take a lesson from the cherubim and the seraphim. They're two different things and they're not angels. The first thing is, is you have to be willing to cover yourself. It says, with twain they covered their face. Who are they? You don't know. You wouldn't recognize them. You couldn't pick them up out of a lineup. You say, how many are there? In this case, there's two of them, but you don't know anything about them. How many is up in heaven? I have no idea. I haven't been there, taken a trip and come back and write a book and make a million dollars. All I know is, is that these individuals things that are here, they're there. And in the presence of God, he is so holy, he's so pure. They've never sinned. They've never messed up. But can I say this to you? They covered their face. They covered their reputation. They covered any recognition of who they were. In the presence of God, nobody amounts to anything but God. 
See, that's why we don't like him to show up. It's like, Lord, you know who I am, right? I mean, I mean, after all, I mean, Lord, I'm I'm not that that guy over there, the fellow in the temple there in Luke 18. He said, Lord, now listen, I I, I come over here and I pray and I fast twice a week and and I come and I give over and above the tithe and so on and so forth. And I just want to say to you, Lord, thank God I'm not like that. You need to look at me. Come to church and see me. You know, the first thing you see here is, is that if you want to see the Lord show up, you know what he said? I'm not really interested in what anybody else has done, any other accomplishments that have taken place, because in all honesty, the Lord's the one that's allowed the accomplishments in the first place, right or wrong. So don't we kind of steal His glory when we try to take credit for something that He gave us the ability to do it? Have you ever thought about this? How are you able to formulate words? Say, well, I learned English. Where? In the womb? What gave you a voice box? What gave you a brain, a processor to be able to do that? How is it that if you listen to your language, how is it that when you speak, you can understand words that I'm saying and draw pictures in your mind? When I say the word apple, you actually see an apple in your head. How is that possible? That's God that did that. And God is allowing through words being spoken in a multiplicity of languages for the words to be able to go out, to lead you to Him, to point to Him, not to give you any credit. So how could we take any credit for anything that gets said anyway? If the Lord breathes on it, it's inspired. And the first thing He said is they covered their face. They come to church and it's interesting. Can you imagine? As soon as somebody came in the church door, there was nothing about how they dressed, nothing about how they looked, no way to recognize them. That's why people are concerned when they get to heaven about what they're going to look like. How will I know you? I get that question all the time. How am I going to know you in heaven? The Bible says, I know as you're known. What does your soul look like? You have no idea. Isn't it interesting the Lord hides that from everybody? Do you honestly think it would be heaven if you got up there and you still had the same body? Some of you are like, yeah, man, that'd be good with me. <laughs> well, just give it a few more years, sonny boy. It'll, get, it'll go away. It'll go away from you. I mean, real quick. I mean, all of a sudden that chest will be in your drawers and you won't be able to see the tops of your shoes. Some of you hadn't seen them in quite a while. You get on that recliner, you know, and you, you know, oh, there they are. I see them now. <laughs> You get up there to heaven, you know what the Bible said? You be conformed to His image. You say, why? You know what happens? This right here, it's how you're known. People see you, they recognize you. And then all of a sudden, you can get recognized. You know what it says? The first thing they do is with twain, they cover their face. Twain, they cover their feet. Why is that important? Well, they hadn't been bad places. I'd love to be able to preach about all the things in the past. I like the story of the prodigal. When you talk about the prodigal, because when he comes out of the pig pen, he's got hog dewy stains all over his feet and those things. And so the father gives him shoes to cover up the stains. Remember that? And that's a great thing. Why? So you can cover up the past from where you've been. You don't need to be talking about it and bringing it up or living in the past. That'll make good preaching. But these have never been and done anything bad. They've never done anything wrong. Why are they covering their feet? Because they've been in the presence of the Lord carrying His throne around and they've been wherever He has been. Can you imagine what those seraphim have seen and what they have been a part of? Can you imagine the church services those seraphim have been in? Can you imagine them being able to say that? The only thing they can say is, is holy. Now you might add to that holy cow. Holy cannoli, 
Holy smokes, if you had seen what I saw. But see, then all of a sudden it kind of turns on to them. And then it's like, man, if you could have been in the meeting, I was in the meeting, then it kind of made me special to be in the meeting. I'm sorry you weren't in the meeting, but I was in the meeting when God showed up. Unlike Thomas who wasn't in the meeting and didn't get to see anything because he's an independent Baptist and he decided not to be in church on Sunday night. That's funny, I've already preached that here. You should have got that real quick. And it's like... Or I'll preach it again. But now listen to me. Here's the thing. you got to recognize this. The seraphim, you know what they did? They cover where they've been. You say, why? They don't want any recognition. They realize they're only there to do whatever God wants them to do. See why we don't like the Lord to show up? Because we do like to talk about all of our accomplishments, the places we've been, the things we've done, the things we've seen. And those kind of things. And while illustrations like that do make the messages come to life and they do make the book come to life, oftentimes, you know what we do? We spend all this time talking about me and us and I and those kind of things. And that becomes the focal point. Where I'm from right now, the focal point is churches are springing up everywhere. They're not closing down. The good churches closed down in COVID. The bad ones, you know what they're doing now? We'll have a church for you. We'll make it around you. We'll give you what you want. We'll give you the music you want. We'll give you the teaching you want. We're not going to have any preaching and we're going to make you feel good when you come to church. Well, why should I feel good? It's like telling you we're going to make you feel good when you go to jail. (laughs) Do you ever think about that? We're going to put you in jail, but hey, this is a great program and we're excited about you being here and all that. You kind of been, you know, uh, you've been abducted, so to speak. I mean, you've been put in there. You didn't get a chance. You got drafted because you did wrong. Oh, we're so glad that you're here today and we're going to make the jail. What can we do to make you more comfortable? But when people come to church, you know what they figure? I should be comfortable. Why? If you're not living the way that you should be living. See why we really don't want to see the Lord show up? Because the first thing the Lord does in John chapter 16, or excuse me, 14, when the Holy Spirit has come, you know what He comes to do? He comes to do the work of the Holy Spirit, which is convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Who wants to be filled with the Spirit with that? I believe, be not drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking yourself psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and make a melody in your heart. I believe that. But the first job after being filled with the Holy Spirit is he's going to do some house cleaning. And we really don't want to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we'd like to be filled with the Spirit if we can shantai, untie, a bow tie, economy Honda. <laughs> Speaking a language and have everybody go, wow, what was that? And the lady came to my church one time and I was hoping she'd get up. She believed in speaking in tongues. And I was hoping she would get up and speak in tongues. Because I was going to say, you got the gift of tongues. And she'd say, hallelujah. And I'd say, I have the gift of interpretation. And you just said you were paying off the mortgage. You say, you wouldn't have done that. Oh, yes, I would. She's a charlatan. Why shouldn't I play along with the game? Or I might say to her, you, you say you cheated on your husband. What did you just say? You say you wouldn't. You say, what does that do? That... Shines a spotlight on the person. You know, the hard thing to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is is the reason that we really don't like to see the Lord show up is because the first act when the Lord shows up is He makes us feel bad about things we're not doing that we should be doing and things that we shouldn't be doing that we are doing. 
old-fashioned revivals. I hate to bring history into the thing. Old-fashioned revivals used to be a week long of nothing but just hard preaching about everything you can imagine. During the days of Prohibition, they preached on liquor, man, and constantly because there were people that had liquor in the cabinets and all, and the next thing you know, the altars are full, the altars are full. Before they ever broke into the singing and having a great time, it was just unsheeted hell for seven days, Sunday to Sunday, the first week of the meeting. But we don't want to see those kind of meetings now. Now what we want to see is we're going to put God on the clock and go, okay, Lord, I got there at 7. I expect to be out by 9. I need to be home before the evening news comes on. I got to watch what the stark march doing and what everything else is happening. And, and Lord, you know, that's called the Baptist salute. It's, you know, I, now, now if you're in a ball game, you want it to go in overtime. If you're at the mall shopping, you want to, you're sad when the store closes. But when you come to church and God forbid the Lord shows up. Some of you older people, you ought to come to camp sometime. You'd be surprised at the character that a lot of these kids have. They sit there in a church service, man, and sometimes the preacher, he just gets going, he loses his mind, and he thinks all they have to do is, you know, just hang out there, and they just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach, and they just stay and stay and stay and stay and stay. I'm glad they hadn't got religious. They, just, they go to camp because they think camp is not just about seeing each other and playing games. They think, you know what this is about? This is about me getting a chance to get along with Jesus. And then when Jesus shows up, you'd be surprised how your kids get up and go to the altar and go, I am unclean. Amen. Well, you notice in the passage there, you can take a look at it if you'd like and follow me through it. But notice what happens is, is that Isaiah is there in that passage and Uzziah has now passed away and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train fills the temple and smoke comes down there and that kind of a thing and the whole temple is full of His glory. And notice in the passage right there, Isaiah says, Woe unto me, for I am a man of... What does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth. Do you know in chapter number 5 that Isaiah has pronounced six woes on those people that he's living with? But you know what happens when the Lord shows up? It gets personal. You know why we don't like to see the Lord show up? Because the Lord's not interested in your opinion of what everybody else is doing. You know how hard that is? When you know that there's somebody that's really rubbing you the wrong way and they've really upset you. In the South, they call it getting stuck in the crawl. Preacher, that's just stuck in my crawl. That's Southern for they are like a hemorrhoid. They are burning and itching all the time and I can't stand them. And they're swole up and they're red and I never can get comfortable around them. And they're always looking for attention and they always demand my attention and I can't come to church and see that person and not think about what they've done to me. Now, it probably doesn't happen up here. You folks probably always get along with each other and love each other in the name of Jesus. And you come in and you're so glad you pray for, you know, your enemies and bless them that persecute you and bless and curse not, probably, right? You probably don't have somebody as a family member or somebody that's close that's done you wrong and you kind of still holding a little bit of a grudge against them, a little bit of bitterness. Because they hadn't gotten what you think they deserve. Yeah. 
I say, I can tell by looking at you. Y'all like, no, we ain't got that problem. I don't even know. Why are you even preaching this? I don't know. I just like to hear myself talk. You know, it's just part of the message. You know, I mean, God didn't tell me to do any of this at all. I just kind of made it up. Talked to the preacher. He goes, yeah, hit that one. That'll be good. You know, that kind of deal. I, I don't know why I'm saying it. But your silence is deafening. You know, it's interesting if you read Matthew chapter number 18. That's going to really stretch you out. You don't have to turn there now. Just give me a couple of minutes here. I'll, I'll give it to you from uh, memory as best I possibly can. But you know what the Lord says? He said there in Matthew chapter number 18, He said, if somebody's offended you, then you have to go to the one that you offended. And if they've offended you, you've got to go to them and make it right. Do you ever read the passage? Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever heard this said? Uh, Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. You ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? You do read your Bible. Thank you, sister. I see that hand in the back back there. God bless you. I'm so glad. None of y'all else have heard that? You better admit it or we're going to go read it in Matthew 18. Yes, absolutely. Raise your hand. Now, now here's the way it is. That's usually spoken by a preacher who has him, his wife, and his child together and say, Babe, we've started a church and it's us four and no more. And the Lord said, you know, he'd be in the midst if we just gather together in his name. But you didn't read the passage because the context is wherever two or three are gathered together, that means the other individual has gone and made it right and those two are in agreement and they've gotten the issue settled and God likes it so much, He's in the middle of them fixing the problem. See, I told you you don't really want to see the Lord. Husband, that'd be good for you to do with your wife tonight. You want to know why the devil moved in? There's disunity in the household. Well, she offended me. Then why don't you tell her? But how do you respond when she tells you you offended her? It applies across the board. How about in the church house? How many times has your Uzziah showed up when you come in here and praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God, and you finished a couple of courses in Bible school and now you know the whole Bible and you can't wait for somebody to ask you a Bible question and you got this big old Bible and you're coming in here, boy, there's a spring in your step and the wife's coming about seven paces behind you and everything's just wandering around just fine and then all of a sudden you see that person and you're thinking, well, there goes the service. And the Lord says, why don't you go get it fixed? He ought to come to me. The Lord said, do you want to see me? Yeah. I want to see you. Well, then watch how you talk to me. Yes, sir, I want to see you. Sure, yes, sir, I want to see you. Okay, go get it fixed. Uh, I don't want to see you that bad. See, I told you, you really don't want to see the Lord. <laughs> People ask me all the time. I get a privilege of preaching a couple places here and there and go every now and then to other churches and things like that. And they're like, you know, why come we don't have great revival? I'm, trying, I'm telling you right now. The problem is not that God's not on the throne and high and lifted up and wanting to fill the temple. The problem is the people don't want Him here. He is the most unwelcomed guest in our churches. Because we don't want to do what's required of us when He shows up. Isaiah said, man, I am a man of unclean lips. And all of a sudden the Lord's like, well, weren't you just talking about all them other people? Yeah, but Lord, you know what I just recognized? When you showed up, I realized I got problems. Forget about all that right now. What I got to do is get me fixed first. But we're not, we don't want to see him that bad. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? You surely remember that story, right? I mean, that's the first murder in the Bible there. 
And Cain comes over there and he brings his vegetables to the Lord and his fruits to the Lord and he lays them down. And I am positive they were the best, absolutely best that he had. Probably had satsumas on there. Had everything in there, looked like a Michelangelo painting and brought it down there. And the Lord just looked down there at it and was like, whatever. Abel comes along there and he's got a little lamb and he slits his throat and lays him out there and the Lord hits him out of a Carolina blue sky with a bolt of lightning and destroys it and Cain's head's down and his hands are turned upward like this, or Abel is, and then Cain looks up there at the Lord. Apparently he's looking at him face to face because the Lord says, why is your countenance fallen? This is law of first mention. And he said... Well, I got good reason to have my counsel of my, 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 my countenance fallen. Why is that? Well, you accepted his offering. Why don't you accept mine? The Lord said, don't you know? If you bring what I want you to bring, I'll accept the same thing. See, Cain, you brought what you wanted to bring. Now, you got to go bring me the firstling of the flock. Lord, there's only one shepherd in town. And if that's the case, I go to go to him to get a lamb. The Lord said, good, go go to him. No, that means I got to get right with him. I ain't doing business with my brother. I ain't about to. You're smoking crack if you think I'm going to. And he said, well, you want to please me? You want me to meet you? You want me to accept you, right? I mean, you want to have a, a service with me, right? I mean, that's what, that's all you want your sins forgiven, right? And taken care of. He said, yeah. He said, okay, go to your brother. I ain't going to my brother. He said, sin lieth at the door. He's pleading with him. Listen, man, you got to get this fixed. This is bigger than you. You can't see where this is going to lead. Who would have ever thought that that bitterness would lead him to murder? Who would have ever thought that he would then from that point forward be a fugitive and a vagabond? Who would have ever thought that he would go out and that city where he first went out there would be the place where there were sinners exceedingly before the Lord and all that movement of homosexuality? Who would have ever thought that it started because he did not want to get that fixed with the Lord so the Lord could be in the midst? Oh, preacher, I really want to see the Lord. Really? Could you go to your brother and fix it? Not happening. I ain't doing it. Okay, saved. Thank God for eternal security. Right? Thank God I'm sealed to the day of redemption. I don't have to worry about losing my salvation. Yeah, but guess what happens? You're out of fellowship with the Lord now. You're very quiet. I hope I'm not boring you to death. See, I said the reason that people don't want to really see the Lord show up is because it requires an inward look and the Lord's not interested in your opinion of anybody else. He's funny about that. We ask Him on a regular basis and talk to Him about everybody else and the Lord's like, you really think I need you to tell me what to do with them? But we act like we have some kind of influence. The Lord, did you see them? The Lord said, nope, I saw you. Lord, I mean, you know, they're doing some really bad stuff. The Lord said, that's great, but I'm not with you right now. Well, Lord, I mean, I just got one little baby problem here. Just a small, minor incident. Yeah, but every time you come to church and they show up, you're off the rail. Lord, you know, you said to them, Matthew 18, they're supposed to come to me. If I've offended them, they should come to me. And Lord, you know what? Luke 17, he said, it's impossible for that offenses will come. Woe to him through they come. Better him a millstone be hung about his neck, cast into depths of sea than defend one of these little ones. And shall we forgive him? The Lord said, yeah, till 70 times 7. What? Well, Lord, you said, if he repent. Lord said, why are you waiting on him to repent? Why don't you go to him and fix it? If it means seeing me. I can tell you quickly how a revival meeting will go in general. 
for you on a personal level when that lack of obedience is there and that rebellion that's as a sin of witchcraft and that stubbornness becomes as idolatry and the next thing you know what will happen is it will conjure up another spirit and then before long, guess what will happen? Everybody will be around you. They might be bawling and squalling. They might be shouting. They might be going to the altar and you'll be like, well, where are we going for ice cream? Robin got that popcorn ready? What's that, what's that yogurt stuff in there? Where's ice cream at? I mean, I've been tithing around here all this time. Man, wasn't that a great service? I don't know. I've heard better. You know the only difference in better and bitter? The letter I. I know you've all heard that before, but still it's amazing to me that the letter I comes in there. You say, why? I would say better than 90% of all bitterness comes when I gets in the way. We're only through about four verses. We're just preaching an expository message right out of the passage. You know what he said? Woe is me. Now wait a minute. This is a big thing. Are you hearing me, girls? This is important. This is Isaiah. He is one of the most prolific prophets in the Old Testament. He's the one that penned 66 chapters in one book that mirrors the entire Bible. He is God's chosen man for the time and whence he lived. He's not the contemporary. He's the man. He's the big dog. He's the alpha male. He's the whatever you want to call him. He is the go-to of the go-tos. And you know what he said? Woe is... I'm thinking, if Isaiah said woe is me, woe is me. If Isaiah saying that, I like to hear the Apostle Paul. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says over there after he gives away everything and he says, I count it all but dung and, and that I might win the excellence and knowledge of Jesus Christ and fellowship of his sufferings uh, through the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his suffering. You know what he said? He said, I'm chief of sinners. I'm thinking, what was his like sin? I didn't read an extra chapter or something? What, what would Paul, he wrote 13 epistles. Paul's over there in Romans chapter number 7. It's about 25, 26 years after he is saved. You know what he says? The things I should do, I don't. And the things I shouldn't, that I do. And I'm thinking, Paul? What kind of sin must that have been for him? I don't know. I was told to fast for 24 hours and I fasted 23 hours and 15 minutes. I don't know what it was, but there is an, ind an, an indication that as individuals grow closer to the Lord, they seem to debase themselves and the closer they grow to the Lord, the smaller they seem. He's not chief of apostles. At the beginning of his ministry, at the end, he is chief of sinners. Isn't that interesting? Here's Isaiah. Who's Isaiah? Pretty major deal in your Old Testament. God used him and used him for types and for shadows and figures all through the Bible. And you know what he says? He said, yeah, when your king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. How come you hadn't been seeing him? Isaiah says, I can tell you what the problem was. I'm a man of unclean lips. And because I have had the wrong heart about things, it's caused me to dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. I got the wrong company. So you see all of a sudden why we don't want to see Him high and lifted up. We don't want to see Him in our services is because it makes us see ourselves as we really are. And we generally just don't really like how we are. 
I'm wore out today with people always trying to make church the positive place. Hey, go to the doctor and let them tell you positive. Go to the school, let them tell you positive. But in church, let's be real. Everybody in positive. You're not racing each other. Your image is Jesus Christ. How are you doing with Him? You can always find somebody in here that's less than you are. Let's hurry. He said, I'm not doing so good, Lord. I, I'm in bad shape. Here's the third one. It's bad. It's so bad. One of the seraphim goes over and takes tongs. And he takes the hot coals off the altar. You remember the passage, right? You've all read the passage before. You've heard a million messages on it. You know what he does? He comes over there and he burns his lips. You know the third reason why we don't like to see the Lord show up on our service? Because it burns our flesh up. You ever heard, seen, smelled flesh when it burns? My wife, when she was a little bitty thing, she was about, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old. She was a little kid. They're making divinity. You ladies will know what that is. That's when you take that Cairo syrup, which is nothing but cornstarch, and you just you make gray, mare, gray mules out of that. And back home, you take that and you take about a half a stick of butter and you mash it all up together and you put that all on your biscuits and stuff. Don't knock it till you've tried it. Um, it it'll make you slap your grandma. I mean, it's good. <laughs> but that stuff is clear. It's like, it's like crack. I mean, it's just like, it's like and once you taste it, it's like you're addicted. You're done. You're wanting to like shoot it up in your arms and snort it and all that other kind of stuff. I mean, now you're going to go on the way home and go, where's this K-Row syrup at? You know what I mean? And it's white. And don't get the dark K-Row. I mean, you get the, get, the, get the white. Anyway, they got all that in there and they're, they're cooking it. It's about 300 degrees or so and it has to come to that temperature before it begins to boil and then it begins to bubble and begins to bubble. And what you're doing is reducing it down. You're going to make candy out of it. They call the candy divinity. And she's trying to help her folks out and stuff like that by going ahead and cooking it. It's up there on that stove, and she reaches up there. She's a little bitty thing, and she grabs a hold of that little pot there on the side there, the little handle in there to stir it, and she pulled all that stuff over on her. I mean, lit her up to a fair thee well. Third-degree burns all over her. And what's worse than that stuff cools? It sticks. Off to the emergency room they have to go and then they have to debride her and they have to get all that off of her and they have to get the skin off and then she has to keep going back and keep going back until the skin gets where it gets a little bit better and a little bit better and then they start doing skin grafts. Oh, and in the meantime, she's still going to elementary school and all the kids are laughing at her and making fun of her and talking about her scars and what an idiot she is reporting the divinity on it. She's just trying to help. I hope I'm not embarrassing you. I didn't tell her I was going to tell the story tonight. But you know what? That traumatizes somebody. You know why we don't like the Lord to show up? Because sometimes when He burns us, it scars us for life. Sometimes when you get burned, there's a friend of mine that was in Vietnam and he got hung up with some stuff they were doing there with some napalm and all that kind of a deal. It burned him all the way down. It burned all the back, the hair off the back of his head all the way down the back. And we'd go up there to the gym and get ready to go take a shower and stuff. He'd take a shirt. Man, you, I mean, my goodness, man. you never seen such a tangled mess in all of your life and all that stuff back together and, and twisted and turned and burnt. He'd say, well, couldn't he get skin gray? Yeah, but it'd never be the same. But I'd like to say thirdly, the reason that we don't like for the Lord to show up is because sometimes it hurts. It burns. And the smell of burning flesh is just not our idea of a good church service. But the burning is what does the purging. See, what you miss is, is that he says his sins got forgiven and he's been purged. 
Do you understand? But what we do is, is we pull back from the very thing that will help us. We would rather not face that fire. Better to face that fire here than face it at the judgment seat if you're saved. But it hurts. And I can't make light of that. And some people it hurts worse than others. Some people have some things that have been embedded in their system for a long period of time and the fire has to burn real hot and real long to be able to purge that out because those things tend to leave sort of residual effects along the way. And sometimes the Lord has to work real hard until He burns that out to the process of purging that. And then the new skin has to grow back and the dead skin has to be peeled off and there's a healing process that goes with that. And it takes a long time. And then every now and then you look back down at where you were burned and just like that, you're back at nine years of age being rushed to the hospital hurting more than you can even possibly imagine. I used to be a, I used to be a real jerk in a lot of ways. And I hope you don't think I still am. I'm trying to get better, but... We had a little fireplace and I'd like the fire and we'd enjoy the fire and it was romantic and ambiance and all that kind of stuff. And say, okay, let's go to bed, you know. And she'd go, what about the fire? I said, it's in the fire, it'll be all right, no problem. She said, yeah, but, it, but, but, it, but, but something could happen, you know. An ember could come out and get on the carpet and then it could go. And I said, well, we'll replace the carpet. She goes, no, no, it'll burn the house, you know. And then I'd make light of it and all that kind of stuff until I, I realized that the thought of her burning again scared her so bad that she would lay there and then we'd get in the bed and then she'd ease out of the bed and go get a pot of water and pour it in there because her jerk of a husband didn't understand that when somebody gets burned, it's traumatic from that day forward. See, a lot of times the reason we don't like the Lord to show up is, is because it makes us have empathy and sympathy for other people that have been burned worse than you have. And they're scared. And they struggle with it for the rest of their life. Sometimes the purging can take place, but the scars remain in place. And you're like, why don't they just get over it? Well, some scars are deeper than others. Amen. I used to have to deal with abused kids in a multifaceted way. I won't go into a lot of details, but I'll tell you this. Some of those kids will be scarred for the rest of their life. And when they come to church, sometimes those things surface again and the scars still remain and you're thinking, what is their problem? Traumatized. They're afraid of smoke because where there's smoke, there's fire. See why we don't really like him to show up? Last but not least, aren't you glad? The reason we don't like the Lord to show up is because after we're finished worshiping and we got right and so on and so forth, the Lord's like, okay, well, there's a purpose to that. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to do something. Amen. Say, no, no, it's right in the passage. Old Schofield will be at the bottom of the page and then back up at the top, you know what he says there in the left-hand page, right-hand column, you know what he says up there? He says, I'm looking for somebody. And now he's having a conversation because now Isaiah's ears are open, right? So now the Lord's communicating with him. Until he got that purging process done, are you with me? He didn't get all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden he's able to hear, and the Lord said, who shall I send? He's the only one there. And the general tendency is to say, send him, send him, send her, send them. Oh, Lord, 
go send them. And the Lord's like, no, I ask you that for a reason, not because I need counsel on who to send. I want to know, would you sign up? Now, hold on, preacher. See, I told you. You don't want the Lord to show up. Not just because of the purging process. Not just because you can't make it about you. Not just because it burns when He shows up and goes through that process and you don't like the smell of burning flesh. But because you know at the end of that, the Lord's going to say, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to make up a hedge. Oh, Lord, I don't make up no hedges now. I, I'm not a hedge maker. I mean, all you got to do is just kind of stand in the hole. You know what he says in that passage right there? He says, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. And you read down through that passage, and he says, go and tell the people this and preach all this judgment. And Isaiah says, how long shall I preach that? He said, until the cities are wasted. Until everything has come apart at the seams, you never quit preaching it. But the reason we don't really like the Lord to show up, even in a revival meeting, is because when He does, He eventually says, okay, now I've done all that for you. Would you consider doing something for me? Amen. Most churches, maybe not here, maybe not the other pastors that are represented here, but most churches are like a cancer-filled lung. 90% of the lung is filled with cancer and 10% of the lung is doing the work for the whole body. Generally speaking, it's 10% of the people that are doing the work for everybody. You say, why? Well, I hadn't really had a meeting with Jesus. Because if there's a meeting with Jesus, then it's kind of like, okay, well, I came to get. The Lord's like, okay, you ready to give? Well, yeah, sure, Lord. I mean, what do you want, a couple bucks? I mean, I got a couple bucks, no problem. I can take up offering, no problem. A couple dollars here. The Lord said, no, no, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I'm interested in you. I don't want to see Jesus that bad. You know why? He might say, uh, like a friend of mine called me today and said, I'm going to Kirkakistan or some, one of the stands over there. I said, brother, you realize what's going on over there? He said, yeah, i got to hurry and get there before it gets really bad. That's the spirit. Amen. Yeah, I know what's going on over there, but the Lord told me to go. I'm going. You help me out? I said, yeah, we'll help you out, man. <laughs> sure, man. Might be a suicide mission. <laughs> what a way to go, boy. See, some of you are nervous. You're too self-preserving. If God were to ask you to do something, if He were to say, uh, how, about, uh, how about Bible school? Oh, preacher, I ain't got no time for Bible school. You got time for about four to six hours of TV, don't you? Amen. Really, you don't have time for Bible school? Well, you know, I'm too old. You know, why would the Lord do it? Maybe to increase your fellowship with Him. Maybe what it'll do is draw you closer to Him. I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't know why throughout Bible school, mission field. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. How about helping somebody? How about saying, you know, hey, what can I do? We have people come to us on a regular basis. Hey, Miss Trina, what can I do to help out? i tell you what I need. I need somebody to go in all the bathrooms at the church and clean out underneath the cabinets and make an inventory of what's there and what's not there and to be able to do that. Oh, no. I, no, I, don't, I don't do that kind of stuff now. Now, you know, if you want somebody to sing a special... You want somebody to do something that, like I teach a class where you fill in and all that kind. No, I don't need that right now. Those positions are filled. But if you want me to, to, to do that, clean up under the bathroom sinks, I know I'm not I'm really. I got great people. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying people are like, yeah, I want to serve. The, I went up there to the preacher and asked him, could I serve? And I said, what would you like to do? Well, I want to be the pastor. Well, sorry, that job's filled right now. 
You know, what if I knock you off? Well, okay, Absalom, have at it. But if the Lord wills it, you can have it. And if He don't, I hope you're not hanging by your hair. But at any rate, Lord, here I am. Could you use me? I call it the doctrine of the greasy rag. When I was a little kid, I say little, I guess I was 14, I guess at the time, maybe 14, 13, 14. My dad had the audacity to think that after I got out of school, I was supposed to be working a job. Can you imagine that? It's like I should have called HRS or something. He's like, you know, you, 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 you get a job. You're off from playing sports and stuff, so, you know, you're going to have some time on your hands, so I'll get you a job down here at the gas station. I was like, job? Yeah, job, like in the Bible, job. you got to get one, right? <laughs> Girls, that's like number one. It's like in the middle of your Bible. The heart of your Bible is a book called Job. That means if anybody's wanting to date you and they don't have one, they disqualified right off the bat. You say, no, it's not. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Ask your pastor. Ask your dad. They'll tell you. It's in the Bible. Job. That means if they're not old enough to have a job, they don't have any business dating anyway. That's good preaching. You say, why? They're no good. So my dad had the idea, the thought that it's, you know, hey, you're supposed to be working, boy. You're supposed to be working, boy. I'm like, you know, okay, dad, well, I can go to work, I guess. That's what you mean. Saturdays, no, you're going to be working. Crazy. Mr. Anderson owned a gas station, mobile gas station. I'd go over there and go to work. You know what I got to do? I got to take that red stuff and all and sprinkle it on the floor where the oil and stuff was and let it soak it all up and then broom it off. And then you'd take this orange chemical stuff and sprinkle it on the floor and hit it with a hose. And every night I had to scrub the floors down and, and that kind of thing, get all that stuff cleaned up. And then people in those days when they pulled up, we didn't have self-serve. We had peacock served. That's what they hired me to do. The mechanic might be working in the back. That thing, ding, ding, the bell go off. You go out there like Gomer Powell. Ha, how are you? <laughs> Golly, you got quite the car here. Fill her up. Back then, fill her up. That might be like $4, you know, because it was like 25 cents a gallon. It's back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and so you go out there and you fill up the car. And oh, yeah, fill up the car. That means you're pumping it for a quarter of a gallon, right? And fill it up. And that means check the oil, check the transmission fluid, clean the windshield, and check the tires. They have these gauges on the inside tell you whether you got air in your tires or not. These stupid switches and that kind of stuff. Then they go, if the light came on on the dash, that meant you were in some serious trouble. It wasn't like you need to go get this checked and you're past your 30,000 mile change or whatever it might be. It's like if that light came over, you better pull over and call a wrecker. You're fixing to be in trouble. And so you go out there and you do all that kind of stuff. My dad would come by there and I'm sitting out there by the oil cans one day and I'm just kind of waiting for time to go by and all that kind of stuff. He pulls up in the car and I run out there, you know, hey, how you doing, Dad? Fine and all. And he said, hey, you know, bud, fill it up and, and uh, clean the windshield for me and stuff like that. I said, yes, sir. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. He said, look to me like you're sitting. And I said, well, that's part of my job. He said, sitting's part of your job? He said, that's a pretty good job. This really happened. I'm not just preaching. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling you, I'm really... And he said, uh, your job is this. He said, you see that rag in your, over there by the oil cans? I said, yes, sir. Those, they had kind of reddish pink colored rags and that kind of thing. I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, you go get one of them rags. And I said, yes, sir. Okay, right there. He turned me around. He stuck it down the back end of my jeans pocket. 
He said, now what you do is every time you don't have anything to do is you take that out and you start one oil can at a time. You dust all them oil cans and you clean off the pumps and you do all that kind of stuff. And that's what you do with that rag. You keep it in your pocket all the time. You're all the time wiping something down. Somebody needs oil change, you reach back there, do that. He said, all this pulling paper towels and stuff like that. And he said, you reach back there and pull that thing off and do whatever needs to be done. I said, okay, Dad, whatever you say. So I went around there, and that was my job. Whenever I didn't have something to do, I was always wiping things down and cleaning things up and that kind of a deal. Well, it dawned on me one day as I got a little bit older that that's how we are as a Christian. We're nothing more than a rag in his back pocket. You see, you want to do something for me? Oh, yeah, Lord, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What you want me to do? You want me to win two continents for God? You want me to wind up being a great Bible teacher or a great preacher, pastor of a church somewhere? Sure, Lord, you want me to leave, you know, the moron tabernacle choir or something? What, do you, what would you like me to do, Lord, and that kind of thing? The Lord said, oh, just be a rag. I'll let you know if I need you. Somebody needs a dipstick, needs a wool wiped off of that thing. Grab the pocket. You know, got a bug on the windshield. Could you catch that for me there and wipe it off? And, you begin to get repulsed and you think to yourself, there's a spill on the floor and you take the rag and you wipe it up. But what happens is, is you get to looking at what's on the rag instead of who's holding the rag. And you forget that when the Lord says to you, I'm looking for a man to send. You've been cleaned up now and God's done something for you. It's voluntary service. It's not demanded of you. It's not required. You can be saved and do nothing. Did you know that? You can. You can be saved and do nothing. Can't you? But then you all of a sudden you realize the Lord has got you in his back pocket. and He said, you know what I need? I need somebody to go over to the nursing home and take care of an old man that's dying and he's pooped all over himself and lost his dignity. And I could sure use a good Christian woman to go over there and Clean the poop off the sofa and the bed and the chair, the floor. Well, aren't they paying somebody to do that? Yeah, they, they are, but I'm just looking for somebody to make up the hedge. <laughs> Lord, do you realize how nasty I'm going to get? Yeah, I do. I understand that. But don't forget who's holding the rag. Nail-scarred hand. Don't forget. I'm using you. You're not the prettiest dish in the cabinet. But you're always in my back pocket. Amen. And you'll always do whatever I tell you to do, no matter what it is. That's the doctrine of the greasy rag. That's what he's saying to Isaiah. I'm looking for somebody to send to do what? Whatever I tell them. Greatest form of worship in that Bible is obedience. It's just doing what God said. What's the purpose of coming to church? If it's not that after I leave church, God says, okay, now let's get busy about doing something. The last church, you know what it does? It turns inward. It doesn't turn outward. The last church turns inward. So much so that in Revelation 3, you know what you find where you find the Lord? You find Him outside the door. And He's knocking on the door because the church can be run without the Lord in it anymore. Here's the meat of the message tonight. A lot of us have come to church and we need to get cleaned up and we appreciate it when the Lord does that. Hallelujah, but that ain't where it stops. It's now that I've done that, would you do something for me? Not, now that I've done that, you owe me. No, no, no guilt monkeys. He's a volunteer, man. You don't know, no, no, uh -uh. no, he's, 
He would like to serve me? You mean, Lord, you'd, yeah, you have to think in your mind, oh, man, do you know what he cleaned me up from? And he's still telling me I can do something? You mean anything? I can't believe he'd let me do anything because he knows everything. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of us say we want to see the Lord, but when it comes, push comes to shove, not really so much. Because at the end of that long trail, the Lord says, I'm still looking for somebody to do something. Did you pass out a track for me? Did you tell somebody about me? Did you invite somebody to church? Could you clean up a little here and there? Could you be a blessing to somebody? Last but not least, could you go to that person that you've offended or has offended you and could you make it right so I can get high and lift it up? Can you get it fixed so that I can be seen instead of the discord among the brethren? Lord, I'd like to see you, but that's a little too expensive for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'd ask for you maybe to ponder for a few moments tonight whether or not the question is this, do I really want to see Jesus? Do I really want Him to be high and lifted up? Am I really willing to do what He wants me to do to have my own appearance diminished? To be willing to confess and repent of my sins and to commit to service if He saw fit to call me. It's not intended to be hard. It's intended just to have you to ponder and to think. Young and old, the younger you learn the lesson, the better your Christian life will be. And there will always be people that don't understand your willingness to sacrifice. But then they don't know what the Lord did for you. And if God spoke to you, would you just consider for a minute, you know, Lord, I really do want you, but now, now I'm starting to recognize some things about myself, Lord. I'm, I'm realizing that I really said I wanted to, but now I recognize why I kind of get repulsed by that and why it kind of frightens me because of what's involved. Our Father, I pray that you might help us tonight as a church, as individuals, that as we pause and think about how much we say with our lips that we want to have a meeting with you and how we'd love to see you. That seeing what Isaiah saw and willing to let Uzziah be killed and put out of the way, die to ourself so that you can be there and then recognize our own frailties and feebleness. That we might allow you to do what only you can do and cleanse us and purge us and clean us up burn up our flesh in your presence so that we would be a vessel fit for your use. And pray, Lord, you'll help us to consider these matters tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.